You need to do business with somebody that specializes in your industry, understand the risks, uh, coverages, uh, things that you're coming across. And that is uh, something as a business, you really do need to do due diligence and find the right fit. From Ray and Associates Studios, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. Are you wondering how to create a business that's better, faster, and stronger than the competition? Joe Urquhart, Vice President of Overmeyer Hall Associates, Chartered Property Casualty Underwriter, and a Construction Risk Insurance Specialist, says the answer is pretty simple. Just limit your company's exposure to risky situations. On today's show, Joe will zero in on four business faux pas you should correct immediately if your goal is to build a better business. Welcome, Joe. Doug, thank you for the invite. Good to see you. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. So you've done some radio before? A few Uh, spots, maybe? Just a few spots. All right. Very little. I'm not a professional. Well, you're all about risk, so let's, let's talk about risk. Yes, thank you. Let's talk about that. Now, you've got four key areas in, in today's world that uh, that business owners should be keenly aware of and look out for. Can you talk a little bit about uh, about what you think those are? Yes. Um, when you asked me to do this, I had to come up with my top three or four, and I narrowed it down to where we're seeing a lot of claims, um, a lot of problems in the marketplace for businesses, where businesses, it's affecting their financial statement. Okay. So, number one would be cyber liability. Uh, Number two would be probably the whole employment practices liability area. Uh, Number three is distracted driving, distracted worker, and how that is affecting uh, auto results and claims with workers' compensation. Oh, yes, yes. Big, big issues um, with that situation. And and lastly, and very more specific, is construction contracts and risk transfer. Sure. And what we're starting to see is it's being transferred from owners to GCs, GCs down to subcontractors, okay. a lot of risk in that area. Gotcha. So when I think about cyber today, mm-hmm. you know, I've got I've got three daughters, early 20s, you know, teenagers. They're all over this stuff. You know, they they know a thousand times more about all this kind of stuff than than I do. And they're constantly telling me to be be on the lookout, you know, I'm at risk, this, that. So talk to me about the perspective of a business owner and and where they're most at risk in terms of cyber. Sure. In the uh, insurance world, it's referred to as cyber liability. Okay. A lot of businesses hear that and you can kind of see the gloss go over their eyes and they don't really want to talk about it. Well, the response I get from a lot of my clients and people I speak with is like, oh, Joe, they're not after us little businesses. They're only going after big financial firms or you know banks and hospitals sure. and things like that. And that's just not true. And that gives you a false sense of security. Where we're particularly seeing a lot of claims and activity where it's costing middle-sized businesses or small businesses money is what we refer to as cyber crime. Okay. And that falls into a couple different buckets. Uh, first, it's wire transfer fraud. Uh, in insurance, we call it social engineering, where someone tricks you through an email to transfer money to them. Okay. Uh, huge Huge business, We're seeing a lot of claims. Now there was um, a there was a case there earlier this year, right? That I saw in uh, in Cleveland, Maroos Brothers, I believe, uh, was the contractor, and then it was actually the diocese that 
that was defrauded? Yes. Now, like I, that? now, I'm not familiar with that particular situation okay. on the details. Right. I've heard of it. I think it's public information. Yeah, it's public, public knowledge. You right. can fill in the names, right? Uh, where they transferred significant mo- amount of money, the owner transferred to the supposedly uh, contractor for this right. job. Uh, I believe it was six figures. Yep. And then they were responding to a fake email from a hacker who'd actually probably, the way it works, is the hacker was in the contractor's uh, computer system, jumped into a conversation, and then told them to transfer this money that they were owed to this routing number, to this right. bank, and that's what was false. Right. Um, once you transfer that money, that they will not get it back. So there's no help from the bank or the the insurance coverage at that point. Typically, if t- you've done t- that, typically not. Okay. Um, from the bank, that's what we talk about is one of the insurance items that you should have. There's a specific coverage called social engineering coverage. Okay. That you need to have to make sure you have on your policy insurance policy. It's a crime coverage. Okay. A lot of the times, the issue right now in the insurance history. Uh, industry is they're not offering a lot of limits on that particular type of coverage. Uh, So maybe a business might only have 50,000, 100,000. The maximum that we've seen, maybe 250,000. Really? But when you're transferring a six-figure amount, or it doesn't even have to be that large, it it can be have a financial impact on your business. So as a business, one, you want to make sure you have that coverage and just double check the limit that you have. But regardless, that's outside of somebody's typical general liability or umbrella policy. It's not covered by GL. It's a a crime coverage. Okay. Um, And the industry has um, reacted to this new type of crime uh, by coming up with this um, particular coverage, again, social engineering coverage to react to what they're seeing in the marketplace. That's scary. Now, is the yeah. is the is the coverage costly from from a, a business no. owner's perspective? Very so? inexpensive. You just want to make sure you have it. Okay. Um, and it's evolving all the time. The other the other two coverages, though, that kind of go along with that, that is probably the most frequent that we see. Uh, the other ones are called computer fraud and electronic funds transfer fraud. Okay. They're very similar. That's where a hacker gets into your computer system uh, and transfers money by manipulating and malware in your computer system. So okay. they'll transfer it out. And that's also a very frequent occurrence. And you need to have special coverage for that called computer fraud coverage okay. to cover that type of situation. Now when I, you know, when I'm out there talking to clients and, and you talk to people, they say, oh, I've got a, you know, I've got a great insurance guy. You know, I've been dealing with them for 20 years. But a lot of times we see it's a it's a typical maybe small town independent agent. And, you know, they're they're just filtering that up the food chain and and that individual themselves isn't very certain as to what they do or don't have. I mean, what? how do you deal with situations like that where yep. there's a seeming lack of expertise? Right. It's an excellent question. Uh, in the old days, that didn't matter so much. Yeah. Been in a more and more complex world that we live in. You really need to find somebody that specializes in uh, commercial insurance, number mm-hmm. one. Uh, depending on the size of the business, a scope of uh, size of business, you want to kind of ask those questions. Sure. Based on industry, I think is very important. You need to do business with somebody that specializes in your industry um, to understand the risks, uh, coverages, uh, things that you're coming across. And that is uh, something as a business, you really do need to do due diligence and find the right fit. Okay. Now, uh, let, let, let's jump to uh, distracted driving a little bit. I mean, you hear that all the time, obviously, with, with teenagers. I've, I've, I went through that and, you know, with obviously cell phones and, and all that becoming more prevalent. Mm-hmm. So, how does that 
filter into the business, though? I mean, you hear about that personally and individually, but but I wasn't aware of the impact uh, for, from a business owner. Yeah, it, it's it's huge. It's it's um, particularly starting to affect businesses. I would say this year in 2019, we started to see some of it at the end of 2018, but really now in 2019, it's been going on, on unfortunately, for a while. It's just catching up to the insurance industry. Okay. I'll, I'll say it that way. And it's more than just distracted driving. I refer to it as distracted worker because oh, we're okay. seeing more and more claims, one on the road, rear ends, people swerving, going left to center, causing significant uh, injuries or damage, but also at the job site or at in the factory or wherever okay. you are, people are always on their phones, always texting. Uh, okay. So we're seeing an increased frequency of worker comp claims. You know, people falling in a hole. No kidding. You know, running into the side of a building, you know, getting injured. So that's driving work comp claims. Okay. But coming back to your question on the auto, though, it's definitely more auto-driven. So what we're seeing is uh, the auto, or I'm sure, sorry, the insurance industry is now seeing results in their auto line that is the loss ratios are really going up, meaning they're losing money, significant money. So they're starting to look at why is that? couple different reasons. One of them is distracted driving. Uh, the frequency of claims are going up and the severity of claims are going up. So that is driving the loss ratios to go up. So a lot of the underwriters re-underwriting or underwriting the auto line a, a little bit more strictly, a little tighter, asking a lot more questions. Gotcha. Um, so when you go out to a business, they want to know, do you have a distracted driving policy? Do you have a fleet driver program? What kind of training do you have? And they're also focusing on large trucks, which are a part of the problem. So if you want a large fleet, or if you have a large fleet of large, heavy trucks, uh, you can anticipate rate increase, Okay. sometimes significant, depending also on the losses that you've had, but definitely rate increase. Um, and the other thing that we're starting to see in the industry is umbrella capacity is being affected by the size of your auto fleet. Okay. Particularly if you have a lot of large vehicles, a lot of the insurance companies do not want to put up large umbrella limits. So okay. let's say you had a $10 million umbrella last year, and you have a very large fleet, a lot of large trucks. Uh, certain insurance companies are saying, no, we only want to do maybe a $2 million, a $3 million umbrella. And that's creating some increased costs and some increased uh, issues. So what? So what's the solution if I'm a business owner? Can I outsource my my fleet management? Is that a way to, to deal with it? You know, hey, my business yeah. is whatever, distribution, construction. I don't, I don't want to be in the business of fleet management. So right. are there ways to deal with that, that that can you know take that off the plate? Sure, that's a great question. You have to be proactive. Um, you have to be in front of the, the questions, in front of the curve here. One, you got to control your losses, number one. Right. Um, you got to have good loss uh, history, and that puts you in a better position. But two, if you do have good loss history, but you have just have a large fleet, no matter what type of business that you're in, if it's large fleet, large trucks, you need to be able, when you go out to market, when you talk to underwriters, you need to demonstrate we have a written safety policy, fleet safety policy. Okay. We have a written uh, distracted driver policy. We have training and we enforce it. Gotcha. You also have to have, and a lot of underwriters are starting to ask about your uh, motor vehicle report policies and procedures. Interesting. Um, so what is you, that? Yep, yeah. Motor so when you're a driver, report. you you have a motor vehicle report. So the insurance companies want to know that you're tracking your drivers, making sure they're good, safe drivers, that so you have a policy like Big for brother that. watching them, basically? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. Okay. They want to know who's behind the wheel of that big truck. 
Uh, do you know of any unknown violations? Did you get a DUI over the weekend? Okay. Whatever. So they want to see somebody that's proactive in checking motor vehicle reports so no they kidding. know what's going on in the uh, behind the wheel. Yeah. Um, the other thing that really helps companies is you can get GPS now to track the the vehicles, right. see how they're being driven. Are they being driven unsafely or too fast? I have several clients that have big trucks that get video cameras on the outside of their trucks. No kidding. To help them. And it's been a very effective tool to yeah. help in claims. And you can also get video, video cameras inside the cab wow. to see what's going on inside the cab. So those are very uh, progressive type policies, yeah. but they pay dividends. It really does help. Yeah, that's that's a little scary though from the employee perspective. You know, I mean, it's it's obviously a good thing. I understand from a yes. safety perspective, but you start to think about it, you're you're essentially on on the watch all the time. You know, yes, it, it, it's a it's a training. It's how you present what you're doing to them. Yeah. Uh, it's a safety issue for the company. Um, they have huge assets at risk, financial risk. They have to be able to protect themselves and know sure. what's going on. Absolutely. And I guess, yeah. you know, you've got you to gotta build the, the culture within your company, right? To yes. Make Can't. sure that, hey, this, if we're all safer, then the company's going to benefit. We're all going to benefit. Keeps lower rates. Yes. Um, and really what insurance companies are looking for, they just don't want companies that talk safety or mm. say they are safety, they want to see safety. Okay. And be able to touch it, feel it, and see it, that you're actually doing what you say you do. So now now you're talking my language yeah. because, you know, we're auditors at, yes. at, at heart. So so that that makes me think, well, how do how do the, the insurers monitor that? Do they come in and, and sort of audit your practices and procedures? Yes. Okay. Yes. A lot more uh, companies have been significantly investing in loss control services. Okay. So they will come out. Uh, they want to spend time with your drivers, spend time in your plant or your facilities, and they want to see these written policies. They want copies. And again, they want to make sure that you're implementing them, not you know have right. some manual up on the shelf that you got to dust it off every yep. you know once a year. They want to see that you're actually using okay. it, implementing it. Very so, important. So, are you the guy that then sort of works with the the ultimate insurer to to sort of manage that client relationship and and help the client understand what they need to do and yes, how that, they need that, to do that it? That is one of our roles as okay. as an insurance advisor consultant is to uh, go between the client and the insurance company and help them implement these policies to help them in the long run prevent claims, okay. uh, prevent frequency, the severity, and to put, be able to put a good demonstration in front of the underwriters to get them the best coverage at the best price. Okay. Now, talk to me about, uh, I think the third thing you mentioned was employment uh, practice liability. That, that kind of, what, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds that's a great question. Nebulous. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I put it on there. And a lot of people, when I bring this up to them, they, they, they look shocked sometimes because the unemployment rate is, you know, like 3.8% yeah. exactly. or 3.5%. Everybody that wants a job can get one. They, they can think, are you, are you kidding? Right. And, and now there's been a change in the environment with the Me Too movement and other things with social media. Just everything can be, you know, I use an old term, videotaped. Uh, right. my, my kids will kill me for saying that. Um, but everything is available. So there's a sense that, and I think this is a good thing, that attitudes are changing. So we have seen definitely some frequency in employment practices claims. And what and what are those, you asked me? Yeah. So those fall under a bucket of any type of action from an employee claiming wrongful termination, any type of discrimination, civil rights, harassment that either happens at your facility. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of contractors, it happens out at the job site uh, or 
or if you have satellite offices, they can happen there. Um, and we have seen a definitely uptick in those type of um, okay. claims okay. because of this awareness. Well, let's, I, so, I guess that's not a bad thing at the end yeah. of the day. If the culture yeah. uh, certainly improves for everybody, it's just sometimes jumping from from zero to a hundred for certain certain yes. companies is a bit of a bit of a struggle, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Coming back to that, you also asked about the, the, the term employment practices right. liability. It is a separate policy, similar to the cyber. Right, it's a yep. separate policy okay. that you need to get. Uh, it's part of your executive risk type coverage. Uh, ties into your crime, fiduciary, those kind of things, but employment practices. You just want to be make sure you're with a good company that understands EPL, that can defend you if you do have a situation. And many of the companies have very good um, risk management websites that you are able to get in and get policies, training, articles on those type of things. It's a valuable resource okay. for businesses. Very good. How about uh, what's going on in the world of construction contracts? Oh, I mean, there's, man. A, there's so many. There was a big case, obviously, in the Ohio Supreme Court last year and had major yeah. impact. So, what what else is, is there? Doug, we probably don't have enough time right now <laughs> to talk about everything in construction as far as right. risk. Uh, but a couple of big things. I think uh, with the amount of work, particularly in central Ohio, there's just tremendous risk for contractors right now. And a lot of it is contract-driven. So, we're seeing uh, more owners uh revising and beefing up their contract. Okay. So what GCs and CMs are signing, uh, there's just a lot more risk being transferred to them. And I'm just going to talk about the indemnification insurance requirements, sure. right? I'm not talking about payment issues right, and right. all the lien issues and those kind of things. Those, so, those so, are for attorneys. So just to be clear, you're yeah. talking about the the project owner transferring that risk yes. to the general contractors. Yes. Who are then probably, what, pushing that down the, the food chain, so yes. to speak? Yes, they're turning around and transferring that risk onto the subs. Okay. And, and one of the other, I think, developments because of the great market that we're in right now, the great city that we live in, is there's a lot of out-of-town contractors coming mm -hmm. here, and a lot of people aren't familiar with them. So there might be new contracts, new terminology. So you have to be very careful in reviewing, again, indemnification and insurance requirements and seeing who's responsible for what. And my number one recommendation for anywhere you are on that food chain is to take those insurance requirements, make sure you're sending them to your insurance advisor for them to review and make sure you're matching the contract of what you're, what you're signing. Uh, if you don't have the right coverage, the right limits, you need to get a, a quote, get the cost for it so you can put it into your bid, but you want to make sure you're particularly covered for, for those risks. Yeah, we're. We, I know, and you're probably seeing this as well. We're having a lot of conversations with contractors that are growing quite a bit. So yes. they're they're moving up market, and to your yes. point, dealing with folks they haven't dealt with in the past, or maybe at, at a higher level of expertise that they haven't been accustomed to. So that's that's always yeah. a challenge. I, I totally agree with what you said. We're yeah. seeing that. The other problem that you add on to that, right? In addition to that, is the labor market, right? Mm -hmm. uh, scheduling the size of the projects, in many cases, more sophisticated projects, which all add risk uh, that you have to account for. Right, right. One of the other areas in contract risk that I always talk to people about is in these contracts, particularly on a lot of these projects, is make sure you know who's carrying the builder's risk. Okay. You have to follow through and you have to ask that question and document who has the builder's risk. A lot of these are significant large projects. Uh, a lot of them are wood frame projects mm. because of the apartments and multi multifamily. Mm. You want to know who has the builder's risk, who's responsible for it, who's got the deductible. How does that 
How is that treated in the contract? Those are important risk issues. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously a big difference between commercial and, and residential. Oh my gosh, know, yes. Yes. You start to, you know, I, I think about what's happened at the the new hospital in Grove City, for example. Yes. You know, Legionnaires outbreak. So I think, you know, obviously awful for those affected, but you know, my my as a construction guy, right? And you're the same way, my thought goes to all right, who built it yes. and, and what what kind of liability could they have for something like that? I yes. Mean, it's just frightening. Yeah. You see that type of situation at Mount Carmel, or even in another sense, what's referred to as just construction defect claims, mm-hmm. whether it's a Legionnaire's type claim or just faulty workmanship, right? Those can drag on for years. Uh, there's There's a lot of litigation. Typically, what happens is everybody gets named, yeah. right? And you just want to make sure you got the right coverage lined up with appropriate limits, to defend your organization. Yeah. So you need the right expertise. You need, as you said, yes. a trusted advisor to, to sort of review all of this with you and visit with you and make sure you understand where your risks lie. Yes. It, you know? it, it, again, coming back to what we said before, it's it, the uh, industry, the environment, business environment is not getting less risky. It's getting more. Yeah. And you really need to be some with somebody, it would be CPA, legal firm, insurance firm that understands your particular industry and those unique uh, risks involved in that. Well, the worst risks are the ones you don't know about, right? Yes. So, speaking of things I don't know yeah. about, you're yeah. you're a, a big Blue Jackets fan, and I don't know how their offseason is going. Yes. So, what, what grade do you give them here for the offseason? I can't even believe we're going to end on that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not my God. Good? Yeah, not good. Well, not- we're still, we'll st- still, we still have time here. We still All have right. some time. Uh, I knew we were probably going to lose our, our, our three big names, even though I was really hoping maybe we could keep Panarin, but wasn't to be. Uh, I'm still hoping they make some moves and get maybe one or two more uh, offensive uh, players to help our scoring. But it doesn't matter. I'll still be at the games and still cheering them on. No jackets. They sort of went all in this past year, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, they did. It was a lot of fun. I was there for a lot of those games and it was worth worth the the fun. That was great to see. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Joe. No, thank you, Doug, for this uh, for this opportunity. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you want more tips and insight that will help you avoid risky business practices or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.reacpa.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's show. You can subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or wherever you would like to get your podcasts, including YouTube. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can also write to us at rea.news at rea.reacpa.com. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.